Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tupper. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. Each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through our increasingly squiggly world of work. And this week we're talking about and taking on quite a big topic, I think, which is authenticity at work. There's lots to explore and we're going to cover what makes you authentic, how to help other people be authentic as well in terms of the people that you work with. And also apply authenticity in a way that kind of works for you. I can always tell how like meaty a topic is going to be by the amount of time Sarah and I spend discussing and debating it before we start recording. <laughs> oh, everybody, that's true, actually, <laughs> we've sort of done a pod- we've done a pre podcast today, haven't we? Because I think we got a bit carried away with the, with yeah, the authenticity chat. And we'll start chat. being like, yeah, but is it like this? And does it really mean this? And how do people take action with this? So we've talked about this for quite a long time, everybody, before we've got to this recording. So just as a, a word of warning, but we've tried to make it as um, actionable and applicable as possible. So. Let's Let's start with a definition because I think it's useful for us all to start from a similar place. So our place is that authenticity is the alignment between our internal sense of self, so who we think we are, and our outward behaviour, so what we go and do. It's that alignment between the two, who we think we are and what we go and do. And I really like this quote from Brené Brown. She describes it as a daily practice of letting go who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. And actually, the bit that I really like from that is this idea of daily practice. Daily, yeah, definitely. That it's not, yeah, that it's actually something that we might need to regularly reflect on. And who do I think I am and how have I showed up today? And that we might adapt along the way because of that. So I quite like that idea of, of daily practice. And I wonder whether the other reason that perhaps it needs to be daily is the recognition that it's hard. That we have to keep coming back to it. It's never completed. You never kind of tick it off the list. Actually, really thinking about what makes us authentic and how that applies to the kind of the work that we do is probably something that, if it was easy, it would just become something maybe that happened naturally. But a daily practice, I think, does imply kind of continual effort and energy. Well, and also work isn't static, is it? So that mm. actually... Squiggly, one might should... say. Yeah, you might say squiggly. Someone write that down. Yeah. <laughs> the work that we're doing today and how we're doing it looks very different from maybe what we were doing six months ago. I say to Sarah before we started, I did the year compass review that we talked about in last week's podcast. And part of what it asks you to do is reflect on milestones and memorable moments from the year. 
as I wrote them down from like January to where we are now, I realized how much like our work has changed and how different our working weeks look. And that's also why I think this is a daily practice because all of that change is happening all the time and sometimes we're not even conscious of it. And the reason that we really want to focus on authenticity, so that alignment between our sense of self and our behaviours, is because the research shows us that when we have that authenticity, when we have that alignment, then we have more fulfilment in our work and that fulfilment can lead to a greater sense of well-being. So kind of we can be happier and healthier if we can find that alignment. And before we go into some of our ideas and thoughts about how you can invest in your own authenticity in terms of your roles there's a few things that we think might just be worth being aware of and the first is that sometimes you hear this overused phrase of bring your whole self to work (laughs) that it's like this idea that it's simple and we should all just do it straight away and actually it's not always that easy and not everyone's in the same starting place and some people feel more comfortable with sharing than others and so you can actually cause some tension so if I'm really open with who I am and what that means to me and how that shows up at work and Sarah is a bit more introverted and closed then I might actually make her feel uncomfortable and that you know the fact that I've self-disclosed all of these things about myself (laughs) might actually alienate her so it isn't always easy and we don't think it is as simple as everybody just bringing their full selves to work all the time it does take a bit more work and reflection and effort and the other thing that I found when I was looking at a few articles a really good TED talk by Herminia Ibarra called The Authenticity Paradox and she talks in that TED talk about that our identity and authenticity is not fixed like who you are today might not be who you always will be and she talks about the importance of experimenting with how you see your job and how you see yourself and that just embracing the idea that yourself because that's an important part of your authenticity yourself can evolve and it's not fixed and what we really need to do is experiment with the work that we do and how we do it and who we do it with and by doing that we learn about ourselves and we kind of our authenticity develops as a result of that and so I don't think that makes this topic any easier because we're (laughs) saying like you've got to be able to read other people and you've got to be able to experiment with yourself but that's the point with authenticity it's not fixed and it is also very individual And we thought a useful coach yourself question, I think, to start moving into action for yourself, which is a question that we've both asked about our careers and actually just the last year, is really thinking about when have you felt the most authentic in your career and why? And probably the opposite question will also give you some really good insights. I think what was interesting about this when I was thinking about this for myself, which really goes to this point about you change over time, There were definitely times in my career where I was quite different. I was kind of who I was and how I was showing up was quite different to me today. But I don't think I was being inauthentic. It was just different. But then I think there are some kind of stark contrasts where I do think, oh, actually, I was kind of covering. I wasn't being all of who I could have been. And actually, I was reflecting on the whole of my career. And I actually had this experience in the same company. So I was, when I think I first started working at Barclays, I think I was covering a bit more. I think I felt like I had to fit in, look different, sound different. I was bringing a pretty low percentage, I think, of myself initially to work. And some of that is about you and some of that is about your context, I think, and the kind of culture you're in. But then in that exact same company, I then went and did a different job and then felt like I was being really authentic. And I was trying to think, like, why? 
why within that same company, albeit of course in different roles, how could that kind of transition happen? And again, I don't think it was just one thing, unfortunately, like no easy answers apparently when it comes to authenticity. (laughs) There was the person I worked for had a big role to play. So I think I worked for a couple of people who I saw and observed being very authentic, different to me, but I thought, okay, that's interesting. You know, they're in senior roles, people I really admire and kind of were inspired by, and they were being very authentic. So there was something about, I think it perhaps gave me permission. And then I think some of it was also about personal confidence. So my own ability to think that my kind of self-belief, I suppose, and kind of I had something to offer and I was good at what I did. I think I probably went into a role that was better suited to my strengths and could really see the value that I was adding and could see that actually I was adding even more value, not only because I was using my strengths, but also because I was being myself. And so Mm. I found that actually kind of, it almost really reflected the whole conversation today. I was like, oh, even in the same company, you can go from feeling like you're not really being yourself to actually really being yourself and the different factors involved in, in that transition. It's interesting, actually, because I was thinking about my time at Microsoft and Microsoft had all of the ingredients based on maybe some of the things that I've done in my past career where I would have to do a lot of covering because, you know, I didn't know the business very well. I didn't know the product services and industry. I didn't know the people. Like there were a lot of things that could have resulted in me having self-doubt and almost creating a bit of a persona to give me confidence. Now, I actually didn't do any of that because it's one of the places where I felt like I was really authentic. And I think it's similar to what you said. I actually had quite a lot of self-belief. Like I was aware enough of all those things that I didn't have but I was confident in what I was bringing and therefore I didn't feel like I had to cover and pretend that I was something that I wasn't and maybe it was just it was that stage in my career but that was quite a lot later than when it was you at Barclays so I listened to both of us and think oh maybe it was that confidence in what we had to bring and who we were and not feeling like a need to pretend that we were anything else and even though I think authenticity is obviously all about you kind of starts with you and we'll kind of talk about some ideas for action on that next I do think the team that you're part of the person you're working for your context really helps you I think if you've got that self-belief I don't think this is kind of a one-way street I think if you are surrounded by other people who are bringing as much of themselves to work as they want to and not covering and you can see that and you're experiencing that day in day out it just gives you that extra confidence I think so let's start talking about because we could probably keep exploring this for (laughs) a long time plus we've already had to stop the podcast three times to chat about what we really think and make sure that we're clear ourselves (laughs) so I hope so far it's all making sense but let's move into some ideas for action that we think might just be helpful as you're kind of exploring this idea of authenticity for yourself The first idea for action does start with awareness. So your kind of self-awareness around, well, what does being authentic mean to me at the moment? And I think that at the moment point is important. Going back to that thing around, you've got to give yourself permission to change and flux and transition in lots of ways. But you need that self-awareness of like knowing who you are. When you read lots of the kind of work around authenticity, the word values does keep coming up again and again and so we've talked about values before on previous podcasts and if at the moment you're you're thinking I'm actually not even sure about kind of what makes you 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 know you're not clear about what bringing yourself to work would actually look and feel like perhaps start to think about both reflecting on this year and what's kept you really motivated where you do feel like you perhaps have been covering and really start to explore those values and Do you feel like you can live those values at work? 
So for example, my values are achievement, ideas, learning and variety. So if I was thinking about being authentic at work, I would want to be able to do work that realise those values. I'd want to be able to talk about those values, even if I don't use those exact words. But I think that's a good clue as to whether you're able to bring yourself to work, whether you can kind of live those values or not. So also thinking of like reflecting on 2020 for myself and thinking, how authentic have I been this year? It take me longer than <laughs> this podcast, everybody. But I, it would be a case of, well, how much have I shown up with my values? And have there been any instances where I felt like I've had to compromise those values? And mm. why would that be? And I think if I sat down with a bit of paper and thought, okay, well, when have I really felt that like my freedom value was demonstrated? And when have I felt like it was compromised? That would also help me to feel like, when have I shown up with my values? And how authentic have I been throughout the year? Oh, I like the compromise question. Mm. The problem is I'm not concentrating now because I'm, I'm trying to answer that in my head at, at, at the same time. <laughs> That's why I was like, it's not, this podcast isn't long enough. But I just think thinking about what might have compromised your values and potentially therefore your authenticity this year. And that could be another person. It could be something contextual, like you've had to compromise because of other things you've had to do in your work and personal life. But just being aware of that, because that might be a bit of a barrier to your authenticity that you might want to recognize and respond to kind of going into next year. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So the second thing that's really useful when you're thinking about authenticity is to think about the people around you. Because if you're going to be authentic, then actually we want to be in a place where other people are authentic too. It doesn't just exist in isolation. Ideally, we want to have cultures where people can be open with each other or everyone else will be putting on personas and you'll just be there going, but here's here's the real version of me. So how can we do that? How can we cultivate cultures where there's authenticity? A good way to start is by asking other people what's important to them 
and making sure that we've got the time to listen, appreciating that what's important to them isn't just about their day job. So that would mean me talking to Sarah about, oh, what's going on for you at the moment in work? What's important? You know, what are you spending time on outside of work? I might actually ask Sarah about next year. I might talk to her about, oh, so what's really important to you next year in terms of some of the things that you want to work on and achieve? And how does that fit with some of the things that you're doing outside of work? Now, not everybody is going to feel comfortable to share that straight away. So when you ask that question, oh, what's important to you about what you might achieve next year? Some people might go straight to work and they might like everything they tell you about that question might be about work. And that might be because they are not as comfortable sharing. Whereas other people, I might list off to you, oh, I'm doing this home improvement and my little girl starts school next year. So that's quite a big thing. Oh, when we're writing our book. And so for me, as somebody who is probably relatively open person, you might get more of a breadth, but it, it all starts with asking that question and making sure that you've got the space to listen. I think there are exercises that you can do that can create that environment more intentionally. So I think I've talked about before when I was at Microsoft, the first role that I had there and a really diverse team that had actually been quite siloed. So the team that I worked had some of my team worked with developers, some of my team worked with startups, and they weren't all naturally sharing with each other. And I had this um, day where we all got together. It was when we could do it in person, though I think this activity could still work virtually. And I asked everybody to bring in something that they were really proud of outside of work. And we spent, I think we probably spent about three hours and there were probably about 12 of us. But I think we spent about three hours with people sharing their photo, sharing the CD that their son had made, all these different things and people talking about what it was and why it was important to them and why it made them proud. And it was such an amazing moment of insight that people could share that. I think there were a few tears and there were lots of smiles. It made me realise that how special a conversation that is to have with people. And all I had to do really was create the space in our busy days and busy weeks for that conversation to happen. Once people had that opportunity, they liked sharing something they were proud of and everybody loved hearing those stories as well. And yeah, that sounds brilliant and quite intense at the same time. <laughs> would you not want to be part of my storytelling session about things you're proud oh, of? No, actually, I actually really would. I think it's, I wouldn't want to be asked on the spot. So as somebody who's more introverted, I'd, I'd want to know that that was coming so I could think about that. But actually, that's one of those things that would be so easy not to do. And I suspect that three hours was time so well spent in terms of that team, the relationships between that team. But I was thinking... I actually asked a question in a workshop this morning, which actually had a similar effect. And if you're looking for a short, sharp way of doing, um, <laughs> I suspect you get a smaller amount of insight. But actually listening to you, I was like, it's a very similar way of helping to get a window into everyone's world. And I just said to everybody, what's one thing you've learned in 2020? And I think probably because 2020 is 2020, people are sharing so many interesting things like, oh, I've actually been able to grow carrots for the first time this year, <laughs> or I've learned I can teach maths to my 10-year-old, or or perhaps they've just learned to use technology that they hadn't used previously. So I asked that question, like, just one thing you've learned in 2020. And then I also asked, like, what's one new thing that you want to learn in 2021? And that's also a really interesting question. You're not making a distinction between only work or kind of out of work. And some people talk about work stuff, and some people say oh, I've been meaning to improve my origami for years and 2021 <laughs> is going to be the year and people love it. It's And also it is really fascinating. So I think any of those kind of very 
open questions where you're not restricting the answers to feeling like they have to be very work focused just help you to get to know everyone but in um I suppose a natural way where people can choose what they want to share and I actually yeah. think when you were describing at the very start of the podcast today around the be your whole self to work thing that you hear all the time I was thinking I think the reason people don't always respond that well is that is it doesn't feel like there's a choice mm. and we like to feel like we have choice and control that's why I think the kind of more nuanced but less catchy version of that is you know you should choose how much of yourself you want to bring to work and I think that gives the control back to everybody individually rather than feeling like oh collectively we all have to be open all of the time which actually from everything that we've both read I think doesn't feel like the right thing to do anyway and I think that leads nicely onto our final point which in the theme of this podcast is also not going to be easy to, to, to weave our way through but having had another quick break to talk about it we're going to try and give it a go this is this idea of applied authenticity so actually being intentional I think is a good word about how authentic we want to be at work and where and when and the reason I think Helen and I sort of had to pause for thought a bit on this is I think some of the research doesn't sit that comfortably with us being kind of really frank about it but equally we can see why some of these things might be useful to understand so let's explore this a little bit so when you read about authenticity often people will talk about actually it's really important to be quite skillful in what you choose to disclose and when you choose to disclose it. It's helpful to know the impact that your authenticity has on other people. And so I understand that, but there's also an implication there that actually that requires us to do some covering some of the time, that actually we are kind of having to hold back at times who we are or what we might want to say or what we might want to do because of our awareness of this is not the done thing here or this might make somebody feel uncomfortable or they might not be sure what to kind of do with this or to kind of to do with me if I kind of act in this way and so I think that is the tension here but perhaps it goes back to the point around choice is about really thinking about okay well what does it mean for you to be authentic how easy or hard is that for you at the moment in the context you're working in? Yeah, if it's easier, then I suspect this tension is less of an issue. When I actually start to really think about this practically, I think, well, for an amazing if now, this tension doesn't exist. But I have been in organisations where I would think, well, it would be sensible or the smart thing to do to not necessarily be overly open or all of myself all of the time. You know, would I have done something differently in hindsight or is that okay as long as you're comfortable with it? There's something called the rubber band theory of personality that I find quite helpful, which is almost imagining yourself like you are a rubber band. And perhaps in terms of authenticity, we can all stretch a bit in different directions, but maybe it's knowing what is your kind of snapping point. What is kind of the tipping point where you go, well, I, I feel comfortable with adapting and we all need to kind of adapt. And maybe there's some times where you're not 100% yourself, but it's okay, you feel okay about that. And you still feel okay about who you are and kind of your how you're behaving in those moments. But if there's a point where you go, well, no, this is taking it kind of too far. That's the moment where I feel like, well, that's never going to be a good thing for anyone. Because we know that when you cover up yourself, we have to work really hard to do that. That does take up energy and effort that we could be 
using elsewhere much more usefully. The other thing I think it might be useful to do is to look around you at work and think about who you admire for their authenticity and who that yeah. is and what they do and why, because I think that might give you some insight into what authenticity looks like for you. And so some people might admire the person who is boldly themselves, sort of regardless of others, because they make change happen and they make people stop and think differently. And other people might admire the people that sort of step towards authenticity and maybe they're doing it in a way that is fitting with their context, even though there might be some covering going on. It's, it's personal. So I think have a look around you and think, who do I admire for their authenticity? What is it that they're doing? And also what is the outcome that I am looking for? Is it to build relationships? Is it to make change happen? Is it to support belonging and understanding? All of those things are valid for different people at different times, but I think be conscious of that for you. And and there's another quote from that article we mentioned earlier, the Be Yourself with Care, which says that skillful self-disclosers choose the substance, so what you're sharing, process, so how you're sharing it, and timing, so when you're sharing it, of you to further the task at hand. So what you are trying to achieve, you've got to put all that together. What is it I'm trying to achieve? And therefore, what, when and how am I sharing those things in order to support that? So do you know what, Helen? I was just thinking, I think given, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year. This has been a tough year for all of us. We have made people work really hard on this <laughs> it's podcast. It's a really today. hard podcast to have at the end of the year. We we're like, oh yeah, this will be a good one to do. Let's uh, let's do this one. Our next two are going to be uh, our next two are kind of end of the year podcasts, which are short, sharp, practical, punchy. We're going to talk about our favourite books, podcasts, good coaching yourself questions. It will feel high energy and easier. I promise. We'll put Helen in charge of those ones. Well, let me just summarise the three things to look oh, at yeah. for authenticity because it I'm is important. And I think it's right. Do you know what? I think it's right that it's hard. Like authenticity shouldn't just be like click your fingers <laughs> and you're authentic. So I'm fine with it being hard. Sarah's uncomfortable. Three things to go away, do and think about. The first, know what makes you you. That small thing. <laughs> the second, think about how we can cultivate authenticity within the cultures that we work with. And we shared some ideas for that. And that third one is think about how you're applying your authenticity, which is sort of like a what, when and where, but also the why. What is the outcome that you're looking for? So hopefully that might help you. And just another podcast, just to kind of build into this, to hear somebody talking about how authenticity has driven the things that they say yes to and the things that they say no to. Kelly Jones, who is the lead singer of the Stereophonics, a band that was quite formative for me when I was uh, growing up in my youth. They talks on the High Performance podcast about how authenticity has informed his decisions. So it might be worth a listen to that. We will link to it in the resources as well. So thanks so much for listening to today's podcast and sticking with us. Next week, before we go into our last two for 2020 that I just mentioned, we have got a bit of a special episode where we're going to be talking about memorable managers and that kind of really how to be a memorable manager. Like what does it take to be meaningful and to kind of make a really positive difference when you're in those positions of kind of leading teams? And we thought the best way to do that was to describe two of our meaningful, memorable managers from our previous days. And so we've got Sarah Warby, who was my manager at Sainsbury's and James Tipple, who was Helen's manager at Virgin. We've interviewed them both. We did it all together and we just really had a chat and kind of explored 
you know, how they think about management, any tips and kind of tools that they found really useful. I think it's fair to say, Helen, they took it really seriously. They took it really seriously. Yes, they did. I thought, <laughs> Probably I think more seriously than we, perhaps, we, we, we were like, oh, just give us a few hints and tips. But they'd really thought about it. So a bit of a different episode next week, which I hope will be really useful as we start to get towards the end of the year. So thank you so much for listening today and look forward to being back with you then. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.